0: Hi, I'm Lily Baldwin, and you're listening to the podcast for the Center for Theologically Engaged Anthropology at the University of Georgia. This is season one, which is dedicated to the topic of rapid religious change. In this episode, I'll be discussing religion in the age of social distancing and how media is affecting religious practices all over the world. As a journalism major who's just starting to get settled as an undergrad, and also a born-and-raised Californian suddenly transplanted into the South, I'm trying to open up my mind to new ideas and new people. I wasn't raised in a religious household, and my only memories of attending church were with friends who would take me with them after Saturday night slumber parties when we were kids. But something about religion has always interested me, specifically the community aspect. The congregating, the relationships, the traditional practices like the Eucharist that require being around other people— And amidst a pandemic, I started thinking more about these communities. How are religious practices continuing during this period of quarantine when group gatherings are prohibited in order to stop the spread of disease? Is this switch to virtual church going to affect religion in the long run, and how? I asked Dr. Derek Lemons, director for the Center for Theologically Engaged Anthropology and an associate professor of religion at the University of Georgia, about how churches are congregating during social distancing orders.
1: How are people meeting for worship? Well, there are three main platforms that they're using, Facebook Live, YouTube, and Zoom. Each one of these platforms really gives different experiences for the worshiper. The Facebook Live is a little like being in a service in that the things that happen there are very dynamic, less produced. YouTube provides the most produced uh, worship services for people to watch. And very often, uh, people are, or churches are using uh, professionals to help them uh, upload a very polished worship service. And of course, Zoom is one that has become real popular for churches that want to kind of focus on Creating opportunities for fellowship uh, between different members.
0: So, with that in mind, I asked Dr. Lemons how traditions are being upheld when services have become virtual.
1: Well, on one level, social media has allowed congregations to maintain what many parishioners experience during a typical worship service, especially for the first few weeks. Many churches just recorded their worship services following their typical order of worship with the church's announcements, music, sermons, sermon reading, etc. In fact, most services looked exactly the same, minus the congregation and a lot of pastors have talked to me about the challenges of preaching to an empty church More recently, as communities have tightened the restrictions on the number of people who could gather in one place, churches have had to be more creative with how they record their services. Now many churches are recording the various parts of their service, the music, the sermon, uh, the offering, independently. And then they're splicing all of these individual parts together. I've seen even full bands recording their vocals and instruments separately on their iPhones, and by the time they finish producing the song, it sounds like they were in the same room.
0: So it seems like things are very different now, but how are these virtual services affecting parishioners? What are the benefits and downfalls of moving an entire community to an online platform?
1: Churches are no longer um, limited by distance. I mean, people are only going to drive so far to attend a worship service on a regular basis. But now, all of a sudden, uh, there are no boundaries to the n- number of people that churches can reach. In fact, some people I've heard have <laughs> talked with a senior citizen couple And they were attending three services every Sunday morning. And then I've talked to other people who have moved away from a church and could no longer uh, attend physically, uh, but by their church starting a new virtual service, they were able to reconnect with their old church.
0: Now, Dr. Lemons makes a point here that connects very strongly to a talk given by Dr. Deborah Mason back in February of this year. Dr. Mason, a fellow for the Center on Religion and the Professions at Harvard University and Professor Emerita at the University of Missouri School of Journalism, spoke at the 2020 American Academy of Religion Conference held at the University of Georgia. It's spooky to me now to hear her talk about religion and media, considering the idea of the whole world shutting down due to a pandemic didn't even seem like a possibility when Dr. Mason spoke. She touched on how media has affected religion throughout history, and how rapid religious change occurs when new media becomes prominent, such as the printing press or the internet. She says something in her talk that makes it feel as if she's predicting the future.
2: Pittsburgh radio station KDKA, I don't know why they weren't using W's back then on that part, but anyway, KDKA became the first commercial radio station, uh, and just a few months after its creation in 1920, the first religious broadcast aired in January 1921. And uh, as Peter Manseau, he's a really gifted writer, and he curates uh, religion for uh, the Smithsonian now, uh, as he wrote, um, quote, for a fleeting hour, once once winter Sunday in 1921, a pious, infirm Massachusetts woman joined a religious community without leaving home. Her son had recently become a radio enthusiast and though she had never imagined she would much have much use for his wireless receiving set he sat her down that evening cupped two aluminum headphones over her ears for for uh, from 100 miles away in Pittsburgh Calvary Episcopal Church A congregation had just gathered for vespers in the presence of four microphones, arrayed to capture the sounds of the pastor, the chimes, the organ, and the choir. Then, miraculously, she heard them.
0: A century ago, the idea of attending religious services by listening to them on the radio was brand new, and to this day, virtual services are a new experience for many people. But what this pandemic has done is provide the opportunity to attend church from afar. So even when you can't be all together, you can still practice your religion from home. Dr. Lemons points out how at home practices can be even more family oriented and interesting.
1: What allows churches to maintain a presence while obeying sheltering, sheltering in place directives? There's a convenience factor here, too. Many families are uh, just loving. That they can go to church in their pajamas and they get to choose when the church service starts. Virtual services provide a new perspective on old worship traditions too. For example, in the community that I live in, one of the churches recorded a Monday Thursday service. This is a service during Holy Week that commemorates the Last Supper of Jesus. And they encouraged their church members to watch this service while they were eating dinner with their families. And then at the end of the meal, they would celebrate communion as a family together. Now, this is a service that's actually celebrating a meal, uh, the Last Supper of Jesus. But yet, recreating that within a church is kind of a difficult ask but by families actually sitting around their own meals it seems that that whole worship experience just came alive in new ways for people
0: the idea that church at home can provide an experience that's more individual to you and your family is something that really intrigued me so i decided that for easter sunday i would attend the service of my local methodist church through facebook live their preferred platform for virtual services. As I'm used to spending my Sunday mornings fast asleep, it felt different to be awake at 10 a.m. for a church service. I assumed the service would be rehearsed, maybe even sound like a teleprompter reading. After all, how natural can church feel without the camaraderie, I thought. But as I sat in my pajamas and I drank my coffee that Easter morning, I listened to the pastor with focused ears and an open mind, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. It felt like I was in the room with the organ. The pastor discussed online worship and how it ties back to the Easter season. As a big podcast fan myself, it felt like I was listening to a Food for Thought series that was completely
3: foreign to me. That's what today is about, is living, learning to live, learning to embrace resurrection vision to not face the tomb with its death and uncertainty, to not leave ourselves there, to not look in peering for things and looking for things we know cannot be there, but to turn our backs to that and to face the garden, to face the living one, and to be given the gift of seeing life, living and looking for the spirit of Christ in the world every day. For me, resurrection vision is about being grounded in hope, Not just optimism, which is based on what we do as humans, though optimism has its place, but hope grounded in the presence and the promises of a God who has been with us thus far, a God who is with us right now, even in the midst of a pandemic, and the God who goes with us into the future with that light of resurrection that takes us there. We live with resurrection vision.
0: I listened to the entire service and I felt a sense of reassurance and gratefulness. Something about hearing a message of hope and knowing many people from my own community are hearing the same message at that moment from their kitchen tables and living rooms. It was a hopefulness I hadn't yet experienced in quarantine. Myself, being someone who does not align with one particular religion, am hesitant to attend services of any kind. It almost feels as if you're labeling yourself in the process. I found some freedom in the ability to listen to these services online. I've always felt like my beliefs are very individual and personal to me, and there's nothing more individual than a service you can listen to from your bedroom while you're still in your PJs. However, I know that this time must be very difficult for those who find an unmatched sense of community within their congregations. Dr. Lemons points out some limitations that come along with virtual church.
1: While social media has allowed many churches a platform to worship, there are some limitations. Close to 60% of the churches in the U.S. are under 100 people. Smaller churches are much less likely to have any kind of social media presence or have the staff to support going fully online. So what this means is that many small churches are just unable to meet at all during this time. And for those who do try to meet, it means that their pastors are having to learn how to develop a version of worship that will work on a social media platform that they can actually manage. Another major limitation is, ironically, the videos do not encourage social interaction because what most churches are doing is uh, presenting something that's very passive. They're just uploading a worship service for people to watch. So what's missing in this social interaction? What's missing is a handshake or a hug from friends, a conversation before and after service, opportunity to communicate one-on-one about the needs of the community, giving is a limitation too. I just said close to 60% of churches are under 100 people. Very few of those have a digital means for people to give. And even those churches who do have digital means, I'm hearing many pastors saying that their, their giving is off 50% from what they normally receive. Now, eventually, this will impact staff being able to be paid. Homeless shelters will have to scale back because of uh, the lack of donations that churches provide. Food banks will lack food because there's no longer an opportunity for people to donate uh, their canned goods this is all happening during a time when churches have more work to do than ever.
0: People in rural areas with small congregations face a different set of challenges during this time. Internet access is something I know myself and many others tend to take for granted. Not everyone has the same high-speed streaming services that can allow for church members to stay home and watch their church leaders on screen. Beyond the weekly worships, there are religion services that churches are unable to provide while social distancing. Weddings are being postponed, but what about funerals? Athens, the home of the University of Georgia, very recently lost a beloved community member during the quarantine. Marty Schimmel, the owner of Marty's at Midday, passed away in early April. A good friend of my mom's and an integral part of the town, her loss was felt deeply by everyone around me. But because of COVID-19, A funeral open to the public was just not an option. This can be heartbreaking for people in mourning, as Dr. Lemons points out.
1: In a time where some communities are um, being inundated with the need for funerals, and many people are suffering with the sadness of their loved ones dying, churches are unable to meet. Our ministers uh, dealing with this? Well, some ministers will allow a very small number of people to meet, 10 or under, uh, usually only family members, and uh, then they'll stream uh, the funeral for others to see. I've heard of another church that did a, a drive by funeral procession where Uh, The receiving line was literally families uh, sitting outside under a carport and friends and family drove by to give their condolences. But there's something that seems to just be lacking in those types of experiencing because there's something healing about meeting in one place for service with your friends and family to celebrate the love Uh, the life of a loved one that just can't be replicated by virtual means.
0: Instead, the community found another way to come together, without actually coming together, to honor Marty. Folks left a plethora of flowers all over the porch of Marty's restaurant and posted their favorite memories of Marty online. Any period of mourning is unfortunate, but it amazes me the ability people have to adapt in times like these. But are there people who aren't trying to adapt? At this time of recording, states are beginning to slowly reopen businesses. Where I live in California, we're meant to stay in lockdown until the end of May. Meanwhile, Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia has apparently reopened his state. The virus, while slowed, is still spreading as of now.
1: There are a few churches that continue to meet. And there are a couple pastors who've been arrested, which makes the news but the truth is, at this point especially, very few churches are breaking quarantine. Many of the ministers are actually uh, talking on social media about the importance of them being an example, their church being an example to the community, to stay in their homes, to shelter in place, and to do their best to get past this COVID 19 experience.
0: So, when life does begin to go back to normal and we can gather with our loved ones without fear again, what will church look like? How will things have changed? It's impossible to know for sure, but Dr. Lemons shares some of his thoughts.
1: What's next for churches? Well, eventually, the quarantine will be lifted. But I would not expect everything to return. the way things were. Churches will open their doors again, but I think it could take a while for attendance to pick back up, which means a dependency on reaching people through social media will still be important. I also think that many pastors are enjoying their new use of social media, and they're going to want to continue that. Overall, I think social media will be a supplement to in-person worship.
0: Dr. Mason has similar ideas in her plenary talk. She predicts that social media, while it may not completely change how we practice religion, will be a huge part of this next phase of rapid religious change. Will TikTok get children back to church, synagogues, mosques,
2: and temple? or even just get them to identify with a defined religious identity, it's unlikely. But while it's doubtful an app can reverse declining religious belief among young adults, it's certainly the case that today's lingua franca is parlayed via social media, memes, and viral videos.
0: Who knows, maybe in this age where everything is shareable, postable, and streamable, religion will change in ways we just can't predict. Maybe churches will continue to stream their services in order to open up their time of worship to people all over the world who can't be right there in the pews with everyone else. All I know is that for me, this period of quarantine has made me understand what it truly means to be grateful. To have the opportunity to explore a world such as the vast religious one is incredible, and there's so much we can all learn about each other's practices by tuning into these online services. Perhaps this period of religion in the age of Zoom will lead to more understanding, empathy, and gratitude. That would be a rapid religious change in the right direction. Special thanks to Dr. Derek Lemons, Dr. Deborah Mason, and Mount Tamalpais United Methodist Church for contributing to this podcast. Thanks for listening. For the Center for Theologically Engaged Anthropology at the University of Georgia, I'm Lily Baldwin.